this is Neil Ronahan, and welcome to Cube Fight. Join me, joining me as always is Andy Gergen. Here I am. Let's do this. Let's Cube Fight. Yeah, so this is the last one of 2002, or at least the last, I guess, like, first party one of 2002. We'll have our year-end wrap-up show. That'll be the next episode. But for now, uh, we're going to tackle Mario Party 4 and Metroid Prime. But first, there's a little bit of explanation that needed to go on. So so for a while, I was promising that it was going to be Cuba 4 versus Mario Party 4. And Andy and I were about to record that episode until he pointed out to me a, a fact that I knew and overlooked was that Atlas published Cubivore in North America. Um, which I guess, uh, I, I just, I like Cubivore a lot. It was, it was like, you know, published and developed by Nintendo, or at least, you know, parts of Nintendo in Japan originally. It was, was, it, for, it was Intelligent Systems, wasn't it? Uh, it was Intelligent Systems as well as this company like Saru Brunei or something that like is a, a, I think affiliated with like Umbrella and a couple other like weird companies that makes Pokemon spinoffs. They really only made Cubivore and then they got like disbanded in like 2003. Hmm. Uh, but they were like a Nintendo affiliated company. Uh, I think, you know, like formed by Nintendo people. Um, but yeah, so so Cubivore is technically, for the purposes of our North American focused cube fight, doesn't fit the criteria. Uh, my reasoning for kind of succumbing to Andy's point is that Doshi and the Giant is a Nintendo game that never came out in America, but came out in Europe and Japan, and we're just kind of willfully ignoring that. So I figure <laughs> it seems fair that like maybe maybe Cubivore can't compete in this bracket, and also it makes 2002 be even. So Metroid Prime doesn't get a first round buy. Although, it's playing Mario Party 4, so I guess it kind of did. Because I, I do think it's a really neat game that's worth playing. Uh, some some quick background on it. It was supposed to be an N64 game called Animal Leader, uh, but it ended up not coming out. Um, not it coming was to it was a N64 double uh, disc drive game, wasn't it? Yes. Um, did it actually hit did it hit Japan as as such, or was it a game? Actually, game I was too? I was about to double check that. Uh, sorry, everybody. Da, 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 da. Now, I uh, I did a little bit of research myself today on this. Um, it is a such a bizarre, fun little game. It came out on Game. It, it didn't. It was supposed to be on the sixty four DD, and then it wound up getting moved to GameCube. It came out in okay. Japan in early two thousand two, February to be exact, and then Atlas brought it over to North America in November two thousand two. The earliest memories I have of Planet GameCube are of reading about Animal Crossing and Animal Leader and being confused about the two of them and thinking they're the same game. Yeah, they are both they are both N sixty four games that were kind of coming out on GameCube that had Animal in the title that were like weird concepts. It took me a long time to sort of in my head figure out that they were not the same thing. Yeah, no, it took me a while. Like, I think I had conversations with friends around, like, before Animal Crossing came out about, like, yo, man, I can't wait for Animal Leader. 
Yeah, just because yeah. Like, yeah, like it was it were two games that I couldn't really grasp what they were. Um, and I think even after playing those games, it's a little hard to grasp what they are. Yeah, but, but we're gonna try. Uh, Cubivore is this like delightfully weird game where you basically just go along as you know this this cube this cubivore this cube creature who just has to eat stuff and survive and then mate by going into the love tunnel. You you mutate. Yes. By attacking other enemies, and it's got it's got this really delightfully unique art style. Everything is a cube or a cube with some sort of weird like attachment, like because all the enemies have like certain number of limbs, and that's just like a board attached to the side of a cube, or maybe two boards that are like hinged attached to the side of a cube. Um, really, it's it at its heart, I guess I would say it's like it's an adventure game because it has a story to some extent and i mean the story is very bizarre and nothing makes a lot of sense but it is sort of an adventure and yeah, you're uh, just you're just there are enemies to... and bosses and you want to kill the killer cube before which you basically like can only do after you make like i think it's 150 cubivores or something like that mm-hmm. like like there's some like ridiculously high number which i did i did get to uh my 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 history with this game is I had a friend in college who I borrowed it from and played a ton of and then returned it. And then a couple years later was like, I should contact that friend and try to buy Cubivore off of them. But they had like sold it at a garage sale. So to whoever got that game for probably way under what it was actually worth, I hate you. I hate you so much. I wish I was you. It's one of the, one of the most, if not the most valuable GameCube games that you can buy. Uh, it's up there with like uh, Fire Emblem and uh, strangely enough, I was looking at this uh, NCAA College Basketball 2K3 is also one of the <laughs> most valuable GameCube games, apparently because they made like a handful of them and that's it. Uh, it's a strange, it's a strange world, the GameCube collector's world that I found myself in. Um, but I don't actually have a copy of Cubivore. I borrowed it to play a little bit of it. I played maybe like 45 minutes of the game. Um Enough to get a taste of it, and it's 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 got really interesting art and really interesting music. It's it's fun to play. I don't know that I would play it for a hundred hours or even twenty hours, but I'm glad I got a chance to sample it again. I, I hope to one day actually add it to my own collection for hopefully less than a couple hundred dollars. <laughs> I wonder. I wonder importing it. I feel like it would be a game that would be pretty easy to import. We actually. On, on the website, back from the Planet GameCube days, uh, Dr. Jonathan Metz reviewed it. Uh, it was an import review, though, because uh, I think there was I think no one thought it was really going to come over back in the day, and then Atlas right. kind of surprised us. But, yeah, yeah, it's so weird it's, that, that Atlas ended up publishing a Nintendo-developed game. That's strange. Yeah. I mean, well, it wasn't a... Ogre Battle was published by Atlas, but didn't like Nintendo publish it in Japan? Maybe, but Capcom developed it originally, right? No, I think Ogre Battle... Now, now I'm going to get out of the Ogre Battle 64. What's the deal with that? What's the, what's the deal with that? Uh, it, yeah, it was published by Nintendo in Japan and then published by Atlas in North America. So there was actually kind of recent precedent for that. Interesting. Okay. I mean, I think it's kind of in a similar way of how, like, Exceed published The Last Story in Pandora's Tower. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Yeah. Because Ogre Battle is, uh, now it's a Square Enix joint. Um, mm-hmm. 
but it was uh, it was Quest developed it, and they were part of Enix. Right on. But yeah, so that's uh, that's Cube of War. Now let's move on to the main event of this game, or the, this this episode, this fight, which is Mario Party 4 versus Metroid Prime. Uh, let's start with the clear chin... No, well, we'll start with Mario Party 4. Uh, I, I've played some Mario Party 4. You have you have watched me play Mario yeah, Party 4. Yeah, uh, full, full disclosure, I did not play Mario Party 4 uh, for this cube fight, so I cannot give a, a in-depth analysis of this particular GameCube title. Um, secondary full disclosure, I kind of hate Mario Party. <laughs> I've yeah, never like, been a fan. I, like, I, I realize that there's a, like, you know, you get some friends and you start drinking and, and it's fun to, like, yell and, and play mini games. But, um, in practice, whenever I've tried that, it just seems like you're playing with people who would rather be doing something else. Uh, at least in my case. Um, and it's certainly not, <laughs> not a fun game a to play. That's a very real reality of Mario Party. Most of yeah. the time when I play it with people, it's being like, hey, guys, I'm reviewing Mario Party 10. Can can we play it? I'll buy some beer, please. Yeah. I think I think there are people who, who enjoy playing Mario Party, but there's still people that don't really play video games that much, and they're playing it because they want to play a video game, not because they want to play this game. And then they get into the game, and it's just a whole bunch of nonsense and and they don't really know what they're doing because they're not very good at using the controller and that's been my experience and, and certainly playing it single player is not worth your time it's it, i mean and coming someone who who loves board games i'm a board game fan this is a boring board game i mean the board game part of it's not interesting because it's just a roll and move like monopoly like there's nothing interesting about the board game part of it so the only thing interesting really is the mini games and I mean they're fun but I'd rather play like a Mario or a WarioWare style mini game that actually is surprising in some way. Um I watched I, I watched probably 20 or 30 minutes of your video over lunch Neil while 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 I was eating and I was just so incredibly bored by the the mini games there there was like a swimming one um, the swimming one was real bad. <laughs> there, it, it, literally, all you had to do was hit B and A back and forth, back yeah. and forth, over and over again. There was one where it was but three. If, but if you looked at that, like it was. I don't know. There were like elements of the swimming one that I didn't explain. I know I was playing with my wife. She was playing as I think she was Daisy. Yeah. But if you noticed, Daisy in the swimming one was not having a good time. No, no, she wasn't. Swimming in that dress can't be pleasant. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and there was another one where you had to like collect coins on a conveyor belt. Uh, while dodging like other objects, and it's like ugh, that's so. It's, yeah, like I, I have a lot of fond memories of the early Mario parties. I played a lot of Mario Party One and Two. Played a little bit of Mario Party Three. Somehow managed to skip every single one of the GameCube Mario parties. So I was kind of looking forward to having a chance to like, you know, see if they were any good, like play them. And Mario Party Four just, it, it it's like. It just feels like it's the first... It's like Mario Party 2 again. Like, I think that's the thing that bugs me a lot about Mario Party and why I was happy when, like, in Mario Party... In Mario Party 9, they kind of reinvented it a little bit, even if it, even if a lot of people seem to be divided on, 
you know, everybody being in the same vehicle and rolling that way. At least it was it was something different because it seems like there's this big stretch where it's just there was a yearly Mario Party game and they were all kind of just the same. Like of all the games that they could just iterate and repeat over and over again, why has it got to be this one? Like I I'm I'm because I would it's cost efficient, pretty easy to do. Yeah, I mean I guess they they even moved to Wii Party for a minute there, which was pretty similar, wasn't it? Uh, but Wii Party's real good. That's Is the it? secret about Wii, Wii Party. If you I haven't played you it. Can, if you could find Wii Party U pretty cheap, uh, I highly recommend it. There's, there's, is there is there two of them? Is there Wii Party and Wii Party U? Yeah, there. I okay. I, I don't have a lot of experience with the Wii version, uh, but okay. the Wii U version I've played a lot of, and it's it's probably my favorite Mario Party game in the past fifteen years. Cool. Well, I'll keep that in mind. I uh, yeah, I, think... I just yeah, I I'm biased. I I. I'll, I will try my my best to play some Mario Party Five when we get there. I mean, it, it costs like forty or fifty bucks, and I'm, I don't want to spend fifty bucks in a GameCube game that I, quite frankly, will play once. Yeah, I, I I only have this because I borrowed it from uh, our, our resident King Nintendo fanboy Justin Baruby. That's yeah. the only reason why I even had access to this one. And I only have Mario Party Five and Six because a friend of mine who moved to Germany and just. He he basically was just like, here, take this, and gave me all those GameCube games. And yeah, like, told me to keep them safe. That's awesome. Um, and I have been. I also uh, also have like the the mic thing for that, and his Wave Bird. I've had his Wave Bird for like a decade. That's cool. But, those are, but those anyway. are still great controllers. <laughs> so yeah, Mario Party Four. Like it's not it's Mario Party, which I think is kind of a bad thing, but I don't think it's a terrible thing. Like if you want to play Mario Party. It's there. Um, it doesn't really do anything. Like I guess some of the things about this is like it. Like you can have teams play, so you can be like two v two on a board. Um, the whole it does seem one. like there's lots of content. Like there's lots of different modes. Yeah, um, there's a story mode. There's... there's like a single player mode, which I, I played a little bit of. Like wasn't really too impressed by. I mean, it's basically just playing the boards, but. Like then you have to like fight a boss in a boss mini game at the end. It just seems like when I'm watching a video of this game, all I see is like a whole bunch of things happening that don't really have any obvious impact. So like you you stop by a part of the board where like you're forced to stop during your move at like a a, a lottery machine where you may or may not win some coins, and then maybe a boo is there and. Scared. Like, it just seems like so much random crap is happening. Like, the board game part of it is so boring, they just added in all of this stuff. Like, now you have... Now you have this one item that does this one particular thing, and now you have... Um, and I kind of... I kind of like the items a little bit. That you could, Like, there are item shops where you can buy stuff, and some of them... Like, there's, like, mega mushrooms and mini mushrooms, and... It seems like there's some kind of neat stuff where you can use a mini mushroom to then access a different route on the board, but... Uh, it kind of just reminds me of, like, in a Zelda game when you get, like, a piece of a necklace and you're excited to get a thing, but you don't know what the thing does. <laughs> they do they do a good job of making you excited to get a thing, but, like, I watched you play this game for a half an hour and I still... I mean, yeah, I, I know what, like, the mushrooms and stuff do, but it just felt like there was so much happening on the board that... It wasn't evident what it what it did. Yeah. There was a there was a red boo who like vanished and then nothing happened. <laughs> um, there was a lottery and like when you stopped at the lottery and bought a lottery ticket, it's like literally just like a scratch off ticket where maybe you win something, maybe you don't. 
But like all I could think of is this is just a random number generator embedded within another random number generator. Yeah, it's and... just a lot of RNG on top of RNG on top of RNG. Right. Yeah. I do, I guess, before we move on to the reviews, which we do have one from one Michael T.Y.P. Cole, uh, I do want to read the uh, the plot intro to this game. Oh, yeah. This is a, this is a quote. Toad, Koopa, and a whole host, host of other party patrons have arrived on the mysterious party cube to celebrate your birthday party. But giving you presents would be way too easy, so you're going to have to win the presents by playing a game or two. Now let's get this party started. <laughs> I do like that there's there's a party cube. Like there this is this game is on brand. Oh yeah, sure. I mean there's a giant floating like rock cube thing, right? I mean And it's also got Koopa Kid again. Like he was in early I think he was in earlier Mario parties too, and I think he sticks around for a little bit. Um but it's just like this weird f- fucking bastardization of like baby Bowser and Bowser Jr. It's just some asshole named Koopa Kid that just looks like a demented small version of Bowser. <laughs> Wait, it's not Bowser Jr.? No, no, it's not. Oh, it's, just, it's a character named Koopa Kid. <laughs> like, he only oh. shows up... Okay, I gotta I gotta look this up now. I think he only shows up in Mario Party games. Yeah. No, his history is he, he's shown up in... He showed up in Mario Party 1 through 7. I'm Googling advance, this now. And then just disappeared. Oh, and like it looks like his terrible. origins are just like they took the 3D model of Bowser from Mario 64 and just like halved him. That's terrible. Like it's, yep, it's, that is what it looks like. You're right. Ugh, the best God. is I think it's five. Yeah, in five there's like multicolored Koopa Kids, uh, but but we'll get there next year. Don't don't you worry. I'll be I'll, I'll, be, like, I'll be convincing friends to play more fucking Mario Party for you guys when like, we get to I, the end of 2003. I, I, I get that I didn't actually play this game, but, like, is there anything in Mario Party 4 that makes it unique to Mario Party 4? Or is it just an iteration on the formula and it might as well be any other one? I know, like, Mario Party 6 and 7 have the mic. Yeah. And, um... Who knows what 5 does? I, I sincerely don't. <laughs> I suspect 5 is just like 4, but with yeah. different different so, boards uh, and different games. So let's go to the review uh, from, okay. from October 2002. It's from, from Michael T.Y.P. Cole. He gave it a 7 out of 10. Uh, his Fair. pros, highly competitive gameplay, new Mega Mini system, which is like the Mega Mushrooms and the Mini Mushrooms and stuff where you can get big and small and it opens up different parts of the board. Presentable graphics is a pro. <laughs> and, uh, and you can disable the crappy mini games if you want to. Uh, the cons are that the fun factor highly proportional to the number of human players. More of the same. No bumper balls and not enough voice samples. So to answer your question about did it really bring anything new, I don't really think so. Yeah. I think like what you is... can play as Waluigi in this one. That's I, would ar- I would argue that it's not highly competitive gameplay because it's so random that anyone who's competitive will just be turned off. Yeah. <sighs> but I, I feel like the only thing this is notable for is that like Mario Party 4 is kind of... Like when people, I, I've heard people talk about recently about how like they're bummed out that Nintendo just does New Super Mario Brothers and doesn't really do any more styles. And someone pointed out about how it's like you look at Mickey Mouse in the past like twenty five years and he's just been the same. And I feel like Mario's reached that same thing where they have a divine they have a divine house a defined house style for Mario. Right. And that's where Nintendo's kind of been 
since I would say around when Mario Party 4 came out. I feel mm. like this was when they kind of like locked in like what Yoshi is, like who Wario is. Like it all got locked in around 2002. Yep. Yep, I would say that's probably fair. I mean, let's get real. Mario Sunshine is probably the last weird Mario game that we've had. Yeah, I would not disagree with that. Even He's like that I mean, is a Sun- weird game. Sunshine has some weird elements, but the Mario part of that game is still very much Mario. Yeah. I like Sunshine. Sunshine, I the more Wait, did I say Sunshine I, or did I say Sunshine? Or, I meant Galaxy. Yeah, Galaxy okay. Galaxy has some very weird stuff, but none of that weirdness is Mario. Mario is still very much Mario. Yeah. Um, I think you're right. Like in Sunshine, Mario is I mean Mario is still pretty much the same, but the game itself is so unusual with the like voice the acting voice and whatnot. Acting? Like Bowser has a voice in it. It's so weird. Like oh, I know yeah, we that's... already talked about that game, but man, it's so weird. Does Bowser really talk in that game? Yeah. Wow, I forgot about that. That's terrible. Don't give Bowser a voice. It's weird. But anyway, uh Mario Party Four. Um Yeah, I guess we'll be talking about Mario Party 5 next year. Uh Uh-huh. Yay. Very excited to pick up that one. (laughs) Anyway. In the, the pantheon of Nintendo Report, anytime we have any kind of like voting or anything, like Metroid Prime just wins. Like, yeah, I mean Metroid Prime is is a landmark title. Um, now, I I actually replayed the Wii Trilogy Edition um, about. Well, I started it about a year ago. I finished it about a month ago. I kind of played it for a month, put it down for eleven months, and picked it back up. Uh, last month, um, and man, it's such a good game. And I, I mean, the Wii version is a little bit different than the GameCube version, but I, I don't think it looks any different, and it doesn't really like feel any different. It just has a has a different you know input mechanic. But uh, did you know that Metroid Prime on the GameCube in two thousand and one runs in sixty frames per second? 
God, that's good. That's so good. It really is like it's. You don't like throwing around the term "perfect game," and I, I, as we'll probably get to it, I do have some nitpicky things about Metroid Prime that like go with the design of the game that kind of bother me. But like, this might be as close to like a lightning in a bottle perfect game as there is. Right place, right time, like everything about that game works. I mean, yeah, you're right. There's a couple of nitpicky things. Um, I, I I don't. Like... There are there are parts of the game that that could use more checkpoints. Um, yeah. Or or save stations. There was there was. So I played it on veteran, which I don't normally do. I'm not I'm not a guy who plays the game on the harder difficulty usually. But I was looking for a valid reason to pick up Metroid Prime again, and I thought, well, let's try it on hard or uh, veteran, whatever. And uh, there was a section towards the middle, sort of right after the lights go out, and you are getting. Um, you're sort of you're in the space pirate area for the first time, and the yeah. lights go out, and you're fighting space pirates, uh, and like the the um, the ice area, and there was a, a section of of level there where I must have died fifteen times in a <laughs> row, trying to get to the next save point. Um, but it's so good. I mean, I we we could we'll probably we'll probably run out of things to say about it because we're just gonna keep saying it's so good. But uh, I actually did get about I think 95 to 98% complete. I mean I used a guide Damn. and I I used a guide and just I was like I was like I want to see everything this game has to offer and I'm not spending 100 hours doing it. So I pulled up an iPad and said, "All right, let's find everything." <laughs> um and you know, it's kind of silly. It almost feels perfunctory at that point, but I did. I I wanted to I wanted to see I thought this is my second or third time through the game and I kind of wanted to just see where everything was learn a little bit about how they hide things and uh and it was fun it was fun to kind of go hunt for that stuff yeah i kind of enjoy that in some of those games when like after after i've explored it a lot and replayed it to just kind of be like oh no like this is the optimal path through this game right right uh but yeah i mean if if i had one complaint about metroid prime it's i've, I've never been a big fan of it's a thing that that retro does in all three metroid prime games and there's even moments in federation force that kind of reminded me of that where you kind of have to like you have to go through every location for some bullshit collection at the end of the game where it's like you kind of have this momentum going and you're like all right i'm ready for the final boss ready for the final boss and then you get to like the final boss door and they're just like too bad go back and and like here's hints on how to find these 12 things that you need well it's crazy because like I don't know about you, but especially on the, this most recent playthrough, I had kind of forgotten about those artifacts, and I, I didn't find my first one, because, I mean, I think my first time I played through the game, I found a handful of them as I was going through. Yeah, I think I stumbled upon, like, two or three the first time I played Right. I think this time, I didn't I didn't come across one until probably a couple of hours before the end of the game, and I saw it, and I was like, artifact, what's that? And then I remembered there's, like, 15 of these. Yeah. And I was like, like damn, I, I, it's, it's so weird that these are so well hidden that, like, I played 35 hours of this game and didn't come across one. It just, it, it, I mean, it just bugs me. It's bugged me, and it bugs me in all three of the Metroid Prime games. It's to the point where, so, like, the, the way that I played the Prime games is um, I, I, was, I played one, really enjoyed it, got to that end collection part, put it down, did not touch it. Yeah. Uh, until uh, Metroid Prime 2, there was, like, that demo disc for Metroid Prime 2, and I played that demo. And then I was like, oh, I'm going to go back and finish Metroid Prime. And I just straight up started Metroid Prime over and oh, wow. played it to completion. 
That's insane. Uh, before That's a Metroid lot. Prime Two came out, and like I really enjoyed it, and and like I I got I basically like kind of like looked up the artifact stuff, so that way I wasn't so caught off guard by it at the end because I had only stumbled upon two or three, and when they were just like I think it's like it's twelve total that I think you need or yeah twelve or fifteen something like that. But it was just like it was such an amount where where I was I like going to the end of the game, I was like really like I'm ready for the final boss, guys. Like don't do this yeah. to me. And Metroid Prime 2, same thing. Got near the end, saw that I needed to collect all this bullshit, and was just like, nah, I'm done. I Metroid never, Prime I never... 2 was a game that took me a very, very long time to work up the 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 ambition to finish that one. I, I've never finished Metroid Prime 2, which maybe when oh, we really? get to that one here, maybe, maybe I'll be motivated to finish it. Um, yeah. With Metroid Prime 3, the same thing happened, although like I picked it up like a month later and then finished it. But like it's 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 like it's been my stopping point with every Metroid Prime game where I get to that point and I just put the controller down. I'm like, nope, I got other things to do. Right, right. And and it's still it's because like man, I've I like probably you know mid two thousands Metroid Prime almost functioned like I would say like kind of Super Mario World and Mega Man Two functioned for me now where it's just that like you know and I need to play some comfort food. I'm just gonna play this game. Like I would, it would just be like. I'd be home from school on a weekend in high school and just be like, you know what? I'm going to play through the first, like, couple hours of Metroid Prime because that's just so much fun. Like, it's so atmospheric. It's beautiful. The music is great. The graphics are amazing. The graphics still look good. They still look very, very good. Like, Metroid... it's, it's the kind of thing where, like, you can inspect them closely and it's a little rough, but, like, the feeling of, of like, place is, is incredible. That's, that's what I was just going to say. Like, the game has a astounding sense of environment like you feel like you are there and you remember what those rooms look like when you're not playing the game yeah uh it it, it feels like a very real place right now it feels like a very real place that you visited and a, and a lot of that has to do with the rain on your visor um and sort of how you see her reflection in the in, in the front of the visor glass when like the light gets really bright um there's so many little touches to make that to make that experience feel legitimate and feel grounded. Uh, it just does wonders for for the way that game works. Uh, and, and quite frankly, as much as I basically enjoyed Metroid Other M when we played when I played that, I think back to Met- now that I've recently played Metroid Prime. Those games aren't even in the same league. I don't think uh, for a lot of different reasons because Prime just does so many little things really really well. The Morph Ball feels so good like you wouldn't have thought that they had pulled that off in a first person metroid game and yet when you go into that ball you you feel the weight of this like probably like 200 pound metal ball rolling around on the ground it's so rewarding it's one of those things that bums me out about federation force is that there was no morph ball um, because I did, I did, I did like, sure. and, and the kind of the switching from first person to third person, like, gave you a good sense of like who you were, what you were, and it just did it in a lot of nice, subtle ways. Yeah, yeah. The uh, lots of good environments from Fendrana, Fendrana, Fendrana. Oh. That's I, I think I don't that, know. that can't possibly be right, but the Fendrana drifts, or however you pronounce that, and uh, the. Um, not not Norfair, but whatever the whatever the fire uh, area is called. Magmore. Yeah, Magmore. Magmore Caverns, yeah. Which is I mean, it's it's a little bit, you know, a little bit cliche that there's like a fire area and an ice area, but uh but well, who cares? Just, it looks great. It looks super good. I think Metroid Prime two feels a little bit more um 
consistent and that you don't have so many wildly varying uh, environments uh, as much as you do in a legitimately like kind of alien feeling planet. But yeah, I just I love that that feeling you get when you first step out on Talon Four, the the greenery around you and the water hitting your visor. It's just it's just so wonderful. Yeah, like I just I love this game. I think it's very good. Um, I think it's the best of the three, or I guess maybe the the five, six. I don't know. I'm not sure Nintendo's ever made a better single player game. Like, the, I mean, Ocarina of Time is very yeah. Good. I was gonna say some of the 3D Zeldas. Yeah, um, Mario sixty four. Like I, but I, I guess as far uh, I don't know. Like it's it, it's definitely like a kind of game that Nintendo doesn't really make. Right. I think that's that's the thing about it that really like jumps out at me. Like that's a good point. This is not the kind of game Nintendo makes, and yet they made three of them. Yeah. Thank you, I mean, Retro. Please go it's, back to it's, making it's something. a Western studio. I mean, that's the thing is that this game was made by a. Western studio that that they owned, or at least do they actually own Retro, or do they just have a relationship. They, they fully own Retro. Yeah, so I mean, I don't know how many Western studios they really own. The oh, Next Level, I guess, is one of them. Next Next Level is independent. Next Level okay. is is essentially working exclusively with Nintendo, but they are not owned by Nintendo. Retro Studios, I guess it's Retro Studios and like NST are okay. the only two Western studios that Nintendo owns outright. Everybody else is just a partner. Like and it's not that it's not that Metroid Prime feels like a Western game. It doesn't feel like, you know, like a, a something. I'm blanking on the name. What's the company who makes Knights of the Old Republic and Mass Effect? Bioware. Bioware. It doesn't feel like a bio. It doesn't feel like a Bioware game or 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 Obsidian. like an, an id Software or an Obsidian. Yeah. Like, yeah, it doesn't feel like a Western RPG or a or, or a like Activision developed first person shooter it it's it's its own thing like i think the closest analog i can come to is maybe like a half life um i think it does take a lot from like half life it's, it's it's a it's a first person adventure and half life is definitely a shooter but half life does have like an area to explore i guess half life's pretty linear though whereas metroid is not but it, it does feel a little bit like even even though half-life is very linear it does feel like you are unlocking pieces of a bigger picture as you go forward yeah definitely because you never break into a new area you never there's there's no cut scenes it's all just it's all just um takes place from the first person visor
so yeah, that's that's Metroid Prime. Um, what what some... did our what did our reviewers say about this game? Uh, we had we had two tens and a nine point five. Uh, the tens were from David Trammell and Rick Powers. The nine point five is from uh, one Dr. Jonathan Metz. Really, he gave he gave the game its lowest review on the site. That's crazy. His issue, he experienced a lot of bugs. Wow, that's surprising. Which, like, it's weird. Like, I I was glancing over the review, and it's like I'm like thinking, I don't really remember having any issues with the game running. No, throughout any of the times that I played it. But he did. I mean, he he loved the storytelling and pretty much everything else except for those bugs. That's so weird. Like he his his final his final paragraph. By now, it should be clear that Metroid Prime is a classic game. Casual gamers, hardcore gamers, and Metroid fans alike will be utterly delighted with what Retro Studios and Nintendo have achieved. This is a must-buy if ever I've seen one. Yeah, I will say it's a little weird playing a GameCube game using a Wii Remote on a Wii U. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that's that's how I played when I, I I played the first couple hours of Metroid Prime like last year, and that's how I played it, and it was weird. I might have to pick up Metroid Prime 2 when we get closer to that because I, I, when I beat that game, I thought to myself I'd never play through it again because it's so unbearably long. But I have very fond memories of the beginning of that game, if not the end. But, yeah, um, I, I'm, I've wanted to revisit Metroid Prime 2, I think, since since like E3 2010 when I was walking and talking to Johnny on the way to the convention center. I think that was like when other M was playable. Yeah. Other M was playable on a couple months away from release and talking to him and him making the case for why he loved Metroid prime two so much. Uh, it's, so it's, been, it's been six years and I still haven't played it. So who knows if it'll ever happen, but it's but certainly I, a, it's certainly a Metroid ass Metroid game. Have you not played it at all or just not? Finished I, it? I, I've, I've never finished it. I've gotten okay. very near the end. Uh, I had a lot of, like I, I it's don't an endurance have same, trial. I don't have the same warm, fuzzy feelings about Metroid Prime 1, or even Metroid Prime... Well, I don't have the same fuzzy feelings about that game that I do with Metroid Prime 1 and even Metroid Prime 3. Yeah. Metroid Prime 3 is, as far as, like, beautiful atmospheric... I mean, all three of the games just set great tones. I may actually just play 3 instead of 2. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, I guess we have some reviews to give as well. We have our three categories. Well, I guess I guess right before we do that, I just want to point okay. out, uh, like the the main minds behind the Metroid Prime series, like Mark Mark Pacini is he's the director of those games. Um, him and uh, a lot of I think forget the names of the other guys who all left around the same time. Um, at the end of Metroid Prime Three Corruption, there was kind of an exodus from Retro Studios. Uh, the majority of those guys went on to form Armature Studio. Which they worked on a, on a Mega Man X game that never happened, uh, but they actually released um, a Metroid Metal Gear Solid HD collection. Uh, they worked on that. They apparently worked on PlayStation All Stars Battle Royale a little bit. They directed or they created Batman Arkham Origins Blood Blackgate, which was on 3DS, and it was a to me a neat little Metroidvania made by the guys who made Metroid Prime. I played it on Vita. I had I had some issues with it. I felt like it was trying too hard to be a 3D game in a 2D, 2D shell. I had I had some trouble with it, but uh, it was fun. I just didn't play a lot of it. Yeah, they also uh, 
I guess just running down the rest of, of the, the guys at Retro, what they went on to do. It's Mark Bassini, Todd Keller, and Jack Matthews were like the three main guys that, that were part of that exodus. Um, they worked on the Vita port of Injustice Gods Among Us. They worked on the PS4 and Vita version of The Unfinished Swan. They worked on the PS4 and Xbox One version of Borderlands The Handsome Collection. Uh, they made ReCore, which is a game that I really want to play. It's out on Windows and Xbox One. Um, it's one of their, it's like their first original game since, since leaving Nintendo. Um, they also had this game called Dead Star that came out earlier this year. That was, um, like a, a space themed shoot 'em up that I think was like heavily focused on online play. It was a PS plus game. I played a little bit of it, but I think like the servers are getting shut down. It didn't really do too hmm. well. Weird. And they are, I guess in theory, making the Wii U version of Bloodstained. But that game's not supposed to come out until 2018. And I think even if I were a Kickstarter backer of Bloodstained, I, I would question um, their the good business sense for releasing a Wii U game in 2018. Yeah, that so, seems like a crazy idea. So hopefully they're working on the Switch version. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so that's that's uh, where, where the Metroid Prime guys went off the, their armature. And I actually, I think I'm probably going to be playing Recore soon. Because it's uh, we're recording this right around Thanksgiving and Black Friday, and that game's on sale, and I'll, I want to play it. Is it Xbox exclusive? It's it's. I mean, you can also play it on PC. Okay. Because okay. they, they they have that whole like play anywhere thing where like right, I, right, I, basically right. I can buy an Xbox copy and then play it on my PC as well. That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. Yeah. But anyway, let's get to the scoring. Okay. So we have three categories. There's legacy slash importance, the test of time, and fun factor. So what we'll do is, uh, you know, give each of them give each of them a score for each game, from one to ten. I guess we could do zero. I don't know. We haven't gone that low before. The lowest we've had is a one. Um, well, I don't. I don't really think we're going to come across a game like Disney's Magical Mirror that's going to necessitate that low of a score. I doubt it. Uh, but I guess uh, let's do let's do Mario Party Four. And, I mean, I feel like we've been struggling at ways to effectively do this, because it'll be like one person goes through a long discussion. Do we just kind of want to, like, say our numbers around the same time and then justify it? Uh, that's fine. All right, so for Mario Party 4, legacy, legacy slash importance. I... Uh... <laughs> I, I guess I'll, I'll give it a 4. Uh, three. I mean, for for me, I, I think we're I think our logic's pretty much in the same spot here. It's that I don't think it's like I don't think it deserves to get a super super low score here because I think that there are elements of like the characters in the Mario universe that that have a legacy from this game. I mean, not Koopa Kid, but like you know, Wario, Waluigi, Yoshi, Daisy, Peach. Like that, you know, it's. Things that they do here carried on, but but it's not I think that if, important. I think if it's you a removed, very forgettable game. I think if you removed Mario Party Four from existence, no one would notice. I, that's fair. Because Mario Party Five came out probably a year later and it did, did the exact same thing. Uh, so for the test of time, where do you I almost gave it stands? a two. <laughs> um, once again, I did not actually play the game for the podcast, so I feel. Uh, any review I give here probably is an asterisk. I feel like Mario Party 4 probably plays 
now about as well as it did then. Um, I'll, I'll I'll give it a six with an asterisk. Um, having having just played a bunch of Mario Party Four, uh, I I feel like it's very middle of the road. Um, it's not like it's terrible. It's just Mario Party. So with that in mind, I'll give it a five. Yeah. So for fun factor, um, almost identical to that is that I don't think it's terrible. I just think it's Mario Party in its most Mario Party form. So I'll give it a five. See, I, I know we talked on the live show a little bit about how Test of Time and Fun Factor are kind of the same review or the same category. I think this is actually where they differ a little bit. Test of Time to me is all about whether or not the game feels dated. I don't think Mario Party 4 feels dated. I just don't think it's fun. So I'm gonna <laughs> drop I'm gonna drop that down to a back to a to a four. Alright. Yeah, for me I think test of time and fun factor, because I feel like I would I feel like if I played Mario Party four in two thousand two, I'd feel very similar to how I feel about now, I feel about it now. Yeah. And I think that's where test of time and fun factor can be identical. Sure. So all right, legacy and importance for Metroid Prime. That's a ten. Yeah, <laughs> ten for me as well. Like this, is, I, this, I feel this like is worth... still the game that get that other games get measured to. Yeah, I feel like it's worth pointing out. We've only you've only given out one other ten, um, and that was for for Melee and Legacy and Importance. I've given out two for Melee and Animal Crossing. Mm-hmm. No, I, I think you know Metroid Prime is still the game. It's still a measuring stick game. Um, it's still the game that every other Metroid game and every other first-party landmark Nintendo game gets compared to. It's still the game that wins all of our contests. Um, <laughs> it is the it is the NWR game of the decade. It would probably win game of the century if we had it, that it contest. It won when we did the, the Sweet Sixteen for our sixteenth birthday. It won that too. Yeah, I mean, I don't think you can find a game for Nintendo aside from maybe Super Mario Brothers and Mario 64 that have meant more to fans over the years. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so, test of time. I I have a hard time really thinking that this game hasn't... I, I feel like it's just held up so incredibly well that I I kind of want to also give it a 10 here. So interestingly enough, when when I played it on Wii, I had a few issues, but my issues were all related to just general Wii remote fatigue. I feel like if I had actually played it with a GameCube controller, I would have probably enjoyed it a little bit more. Yeah, um, I'm kind of just done with the Wii remote. Like I, that may be that may be a sin to say. But... <sighs> well, it's all right. I think Nintendo's done with it too. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it, the game itself holds up very, very well. I'm comfortable giving this game a ten. I think if I was re- if, I, if I was specifically reviewing the Wii port, I might go down to a nine uh, because I feel like we were we were also ready to believe that Wii remote pointer controls were the solution for first person shooters that we believed it. I don't know that I believe it anymore, but on a GameCube controller, yeah, ten. So this is actually. Um... As I, as I talked about some of my issues with the late game stuff, um, whereas, you know, we talked about how test of time and fun factor are often the same. This is one where I think it holds up very, very well, but there's enough things about it that irritate me that I think for fun factor, I'd, I'd give it a nine. Like, I really, that's, that's, 
I think that everything else about the game is so good. I, I absolutely despise the finale of, of kind of gating the ending. Um, I'll go with a nine five. I, I don't disagree with you about the, the artifacts at the end. I, um, I, I think that basically everything about the game works. I did give a 10 to melee because I think that in the long term, I think a great multiplayer game has more legs than a great single player game. Uh, and you know, as great of a game as Metroid prime is, I've still only played it through like twice. It's not like I'm going back to it every year. Um, but, but it's so good. I mean, it really, really is. It really, really is one of the, one of the greatest games that they've ever put out there. I, I totally agree. So now we do the countdown where we reveal what we each pick. And, uh, I don't think this is going to be that hard. So three, two, one, Metroid, Metroid Prime. Prime. Yeah. So Metroid Prime is, is the winner here. No shit. <laughs> So that means uh, it, it, it goes on to the next stage, which you all get to take part in. Uh, so we're going to have voting go out. Uh, there will be something in the show notes on NintendoWorldReport.com. If you're listening to this ahead of time, uh, there should be something in the, the Patreon post for it as well. I'm going to try to pimp it on social media as well. Uh, so just so you know, um, we're voting on to see what the – I guess the best first party game from Nintendo of 2002 is we have four contenders. We have eternal darkness, super Mario sunshine, animal crossing and Metroid prime. I think unfortunately eternal darkness is, is dead. (laughs) I don't (laughs) think, uh, I mean, Metroid prime, I would, I would pick that to win, but I think that animal crossing and super Mario sunshine are both totally worthy games. Can I, can I, can I put this out there? Can we, can we do, a ranked voting because I, I I think Metroid Prime is a shoe in, but I'm very curious what comes in second. Yeah, yeah, let's do that. We'll do ranked voting for it. I want to. Yeah, be, I, it'll I, be I, like I, the I Google, don't want... Google Doc voting thing that that's but I've set up in the past. I don't want Metroid Prime's like sure sure footed victory to to you know dominate a competition that I, I'm curious between Sunshine and Animal Crossing and Eternal Darkness. Which of those three games comes in second? I think I probably know which one it is because there's an, a lot of irrational hate for one of those three. Yeah. Uh, but but I I would still be very curious to see what the what the crowd says. So yeah, no, I'll do that, and then uh, we'll have another vote. Uh, we'll probably we're gonna start working on our our own show notes for the 2002 finale, which will also have us going over 2002 third party games. So we'll kind of have a you know like um. I mean, 2002 was a huge year, so there might be a lot of choices there, but we'll also have the the poignant other category if there's any other third-party games you'd like to call out. And then we'll also crown, through the power of your voting, a 2002 third-party GameCube game of the year. So what are some of the big uh, third-party games, just to put them I out there? I, didn't I, just, a list. <laughs> I, I actually wrote a list just the other day, but I'm trying blanking on what all's on it. Um, I know Resident Evil, Resident Evil... Um, Resident Evil and and Zero are both in 2002. Oh wow! And Soul Calibur 2 is also a 2002 release. Um, I know. I think Sega Soccer Slam was 2002, which I will and be. One of, be and I will Beach be, Spikers. Yeah, Beach Spikers, surprisingly awesome. Yeah, I played a lot of that game. Um, I actually played it for the first time. Uh, you can watch a watch me discover this game on a on a live stream. From a couple months ago, Jared Rosenberg brought it over to my house when we were doing a. We did a bunch of GameCube and N64 games, 
and we put in beach spikers and I'm just like, yo, this is it. Everybody leave. I just need to play this by myself. Time splitters two. That's a great game. Uh, Tony Hawk four. Uh, not as good as three. Gauntlet dark legacy. I don't remember if that was any good, but it was Gauntlet, it was Gauntlet Legends two basically. I'll, 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 I'm just gonna say this: um, if you're my friend, vote for Sega Soccer Slam. <laughs> Sega Soccer Slam is the best soccer game ever made. Monkey Ball two came out that year. That's that's even better than the first. The multiplayer, Fantasy. the multiplayer in, in Monkey Ball two is incredible. Fantasy Star Online episodes one and two, which we we'll probably won't get to. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, the, 2002 is probably the height of my enjoyment of that system i mean i think um, it, i think it was the two best and year of the system 2002 and 2003 are the years i played my gamecube the most um ncaa football 2003 <laughs> i'll probably play a few play a few games of that sega is is sega soccer slam a a expensive game to purchase neil i have no idea i just but i have it. never played it if you have an xbox 360 um there is an xbox originals version that you can get for about 15 bucks okay um, well, I may try to find that, and I actually bought a copy of Beach Bikers a couple of months ago, but the disc was bad, so I was very excited to play it again, and I didn't get a chance to. I, yeah, I, I've been wanting to, after playing Beach Bikers, I, I, I kind of want to get that game, because it's, it's very th- good. So this is right around the time where, um, we're just getting into the next episode now, so I'll just say this one thing, and then I'll stop talking about it. Uh, <laughs> 2002 is right around the time where Sega went third party, right? Yeah, well, they, they so, went, it was... Because actually, like, I think it's Sonic, Sonic Adventure, Sonic Adventure, Sonic Adventure 2. 2 Battle came out in December in Japan of 2001. Yeah, and so, like, Beach Bikers and Sega Soccer Slam were sort of the among the first wave of Sega third-party titles we were all very excited to, to try out. Yeah. So there you go. There's that. But yeah, so um, get, get hyped for that. Go ahead and vote. And we will see you next episode. That's right. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.